Hi, this is John Ozanting, lead pastor of Evolve Church, and this is the Evolve Church podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope that you find today's message encouraging and full of hope for wherever you're at. We started um, a three-part series of talks last week's Sunday called Eating Bugs Equals Gross. Show of hands if you were here last week. So you got to see the video of me eating a gigantic hornworm. Yeah, I know. And I want to tell you, eating bugs is gross. I've eaten bugs on purpose, and I've eaten bugs by accident. And either way, it's disgusting. Uh, how many of you have ever gone for a, a dusk bike ride? Maybe a family bike ride, and you're laughing, just enjoying life, and ugh, mouthful of bugs. Kids, have you ever gotten a bug in your mouth? You know, I hear on average that throughout um, a lifetime as a human being that how many spiders is it that we're said to have, uh, that we all eat in our sleep? 70? On average, people eat about 70 spiders in their lifetime without even knowing it. While you're sleeping. I'll never sleep again. (laughs) Eating bugs is disgusting. And what we landed on last week is that all of us go through seasons that feel hard, that feel obscure, that feel alone, that feel challenging, that feel maybe even fantastic but without any purpose, like things are going great but I still feel empty. And we asked this big question last week, if you could always see the big picture, if you could always see the greater vision, the big picture, the future outcome, what would you be willing to endure? I have a new question for today. If you're interested in hearing the entirety of last week's message, I don't need that. We're good. Beauty. If you're interested in hearing the entirety of last week's message, we do have an audio podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, just search Evolve Church, you'll find it. But you can listen to last week in full. But today's big question is simply this. If you believed that what you currently have in your hand, what you currently have let's say, in your pocket or in your tool belt, in your life, what you currently have was more than enough, then what excuses would you quit making and how would you start living in your purpose? If you believe today, if you walked out these doors today believing that who I am, top to bottom, inside, outside, in my entirety, what I've got in my hand, what I've got in my heart, what I've got in my head, what I've got in my pocket, what I've got in my tool belt, whatever other metaphor you want to throw, what I've got in my fill-in-the-blank, If you believed that to be true, then how would you change when you left here today? Because there's a problem. With every great question we might ask as a community of people learning to follow and trust Jesus, and if you've made that decision today, or if you're far from Jesus, we still ask these big kinds of questions. What would it cost me if, if I actually started living my life in a sense of purpose, if I believe that I'm not missing anything? But here's the lie, because with every question, there's a gigantic lie attached to it. The lie is this, as we work our way through every rotation of the sun, through every 24-hour period, we believe that we're missing something. We believe that somehow in this world, in my grade 5 classroom, with my friends at school, or in my university course, or in my, in my workplace, that I'm, I'm missing something. That I'm somehow ill-equipped or inadequate And that everyone else is somehow better off than me. That's the lie. And if you don't believe that lie today, I guarantee you've believed it at some point, and you'll probably fight against it at some point in the future. That somehow, 
I'm fall, I fall short. In light of everything I see around me, all the talented people, all the bright, shiny people, all the beautiful people, I, I suck. If you're uncomfortable with the word suck in church, I want you to know two things. I love you, and this isn't the place for you. But, uh, <laughs> we, uh-oh, yeah. Or we can book a meeting, and we'll talk it through. That, that works, too. Kids, don't say suck. I forgot there's kids in the room. <laughs> it's all rubbish. So we said last week that our reality is us living in the perception of what is. But our faith is us living in our perception of what will be. So where are you going to live? Today, faith sees the big picture. Faith sees the greater vision. And faith remembers someone created me, and that someone made me for a reason. Even though it's clear the past years have been treason, I still sense this drawing, this calling, that even in the midst of my falling, there's someone who died to pick me up, someone who rose to fix me up, someone who's coming back to lift me up, and that someone is Jesus. See, God made me and you for a purpose, and when we delight in him, it's brought to the surface. So the question, if you believe that what you currently have in your hand, in your heart, in your pocket, in your tool belt was more than enough, what excuses would you quit making today and how would you start living today in your purpose? Jesus says, look, I cannot actually thrive in who I long to be through you until you're confident in who I've asked you to be in me right now. Last week we looked at John the Baptist, we looked at this life of obscurity, we looked at this desert living, this locust eating, bug eating, um, out there in the wilderness. But John had a purpose, and I think he saw the big picture, even though he second-guessed himself, even though he wasn't super confident. When Jesus walked up to John and said, John, you've got to baptize me, John was like, whoa, man, you're Jesus, and I'm, it's the same thing we all say, I'm, I'm just, I'm just John. Who am I to be a part of what you're doing? And Jesus says, John, I need you to be confident in what I've invited you to do so that I can fulfill what I need to do through you. You know, Jesus says the same thing to us in whatever season you're in. You know, some of the bugs I've eaten is because I chose to do it. I ate a gigantic hornworm once. Now, that was last week. That's why I won't show that video again because I'm still getting over it. Um, other times I eat bugs as a result of just the environment that I'm in. So last week we said, you know, sometimes we go through stuff in life as a result of the atmosphere of the planet that we live on. Stuff happens. The world is broken. The youngest in this room and the oldest in this room have had their, their, uh, their life impacted in some way by something that just happened because we live on planet Earth. Other times I go through something that's hard because I've made a choice. And choices always have consequences. But either way, we said Jesus is still the light. Jesus is still key. I want to add today, sometimes we experience significance, like mountaintop, full-on life living. We sometimes experience significance because, simply because of the world that we live in. Things go great. And other times we experience significant living because of choices that we've made. We've made great, wise choices. But you know what? Either way, Jesus is still the light. Jesus is still the key. And the last thought I want to give before I I I shift gears here is that a patient, big-picture, Jesus-centered life has us trusting God right now in the middle of this moment, in the middle of this season, of whatever we perceive to be happening to us, 
because we are unwavering in our confident hope of what God wants to accomplish through us. So we said, again, as we, as we kind of tie it into today, our reality is us living in our perception of what is. Whatever we perceive to be true, happening to us, environmental things or choices and consequences, or, you know, our reality is this, is this is my lot, so such this is my life. However, faith says, what would it look like for me to live in my perception of what will be, what can be, even when I can't see it? Even when I can't see it. 25 years ago, I met a, a young man when I was going to Bible college. And he became a good friend of mine, and we've stayed friends. And he's going to come up in a moment after we cheer and scream. His name is Chris Funk. His stage name is The Wonderist. This guy travels all over the world. Um, he works for Disney. He's, he's worked for, you name a company, he's done work for them. He's on cruise ships. He's in Vegas doing shows. America's Got Talent. Um, he's done uh, work with, uh, who are those two guys? Charity. Penn and, Penn and Teller, um, this guy is the real deal, and he's going to share a few incredible um, illusions with us, some of, some of the things that he does, and then I'm going to come back and close out my message, but he's a big part of what we're talking about today. So I want you to jump up on your feet, and I want you to scream and cheer, welcome Mr. Chris Funk, the Wonderist, to the stage. I actually love that somebody sent me an email this week, a little bit concerned that as a church we would have a magician on our stage. But if you know anything about us, we actually love that kind of tension because what's cool is I've known Chris since we were in our early 20s. And when I first met him, he used to say, John, oh, one day I'm going to travel the world and magic's going to pay for it. And I've walked with Chris through two decades of life, and I've been with him when he made the transition from just working a J-O-B to chasing after his dream and pursuing the gifts and the abilities and the talent that God had given him. And I remember praying with him, and I remember him stepping out in faith um, to do what he's doing now full-time as a career, even though he wasn't being remunerated as a full-time, you know, entertainer. Um, you know, we see things in life, and we go, man, I wish I could have that. But what we don't always see is the, the season leading up to whatever that is. We don't always see the hard work that somebody put in. We don't always see the blood, sweat, and tears. We don't always see the heartache. We don't always see the disappointment. We don't always see the letdowns. This week, um, Luke Perry died. You guys know who Luke Perry is? Anybody watch Beverly Hills 90210? Dylan McKay? Or if you're a younger audience, maybe you watch Riverdale. Archie Andrews' dad, Fred Andrews. 52 years old, he passed away uh, this past week from a massive stroke. And I read a little bit about Luke Perry's life, and what I found interesting is that when, when he was young, uh, he was interviewed in 2013 about his journey of being, becoming an actor, and, and he said, you know, I, I auditioned 256 times before I got a gig. 256 auditions before he got a yes. That's 256 no's 
And you know how we dealt with it? Every, every audition that they were like, no, you, you're terrible. He would walk out and he would say this. You know, I just walked out of a room full of fools. These people have no idea. And he says, that's how I overcame disappointment. I spoke to my own heart. And I got thinking, if Luke Perry, who on all accounts had never surrendered or submitted his life to a meaningful relationship with Jesus based on what I could discover. But he had the audacity to overcome 256 no's with a simple cerebral heart reasoning. Those people are crazy. They don't know what they're missing out on. How much more so those of us that say we're learning how to trust and follow Jesus and we have every sense of God's spirit on the inside of us. What rises up within us in a season where we want to say no or we want to quit or we, we want to turn around and go back? But it's God on the inside of us. Jesus Christ, the spirit of Christ that, that encourages us and emblazons us and envisions us with a new sense of yes. This kind of faith that we're talking about, faith is me living in my perception of what will be even when I can't see it. You know, the showmanship and the the excellence of, of Chris Funk that we just saw here today doing illusions. And I actually, I love watching you when, when Chris is on stage. And I, I, watch, I watch all your faces just going, you're this sort of like, what just happened? That's not possible. That doesn't make sense. I think that's kind of how God wants us to live. I think that's the spirit that God wants us to carry when it comes to the faith for how we believe him in this life. And today specifically when it comes to, when we go through things that are just a product of the world that we live in. You know, last week we talked about the enemy of our soul. That there's, there, there's this entity, this, this wicked devil. And his MO has always been and will always continue to be steal, kill, and destroy. When we go through things in this life that just feel like steal, kill, destroy, just based on the broken, hurting, fallen world that we live in, when we walk through things, or when we have mountaintop, beautiful moments full of hope and life and goodness and joy and vitality and courage and, and hope because of the world that we live in, because it's not all bad. How do we continue to see the big picture, to see the future, to see the, the down road vision for what Jesus is inviting us into. Faith is this obedient preparation and stewardship today with our eyes set on what will be as we live out these moments. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 in the message translation, and they're going to put it up on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you, is what it says in Romans 12. It says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, developing well-formed maturity in you. If you believe today that what you currently have in your heart, in your head, and in your hand 
was more than enough. What excuses would you quit making? And how would you start living in your purpose right now? Regardless of whatever bugs you've eaten or will continue to eat. What if what you already have is more than enough? What if you're not missing anything? What you already have in your hand, what you already have in your heart, in your pocket, everything you need to fulfill your God-breathed, big picture, greater vision, future outcome. What if you already have it? What if it's yours? Would you quit looking around in the world that you live in, in your sense of normal, and would you begin with stewardship and with creativity and with faith to cherish and treasure what God's dropped inside of you? Because this kind of faith isn't just for hard seasons. It's for every season. It's for great seasons and small seasons. It's for wonderful or difficult, happy or sad, confident or fearful, fulfilling or mundane, rewarding or debilitating. If you believe that what you currently have in your hand, in your heart, in your head, in your pocket, in your tool belt was more than enough, what excuses would you quit making? Because my reality is this living in my perception of whatever is, but my faith says I will live in my perception of what will be, even if I can't see it, and even if it doesn't make sense. Is the purpose of your life just a moment in your life? Or is it the culmination of all the many bug-eating moments that bring you to a place of absolute purpose? We tend to think about the moment. We want the big thing. We want the, the recognition. We want the award. We want the standing O. We want the affirmation. We want the pat on the back. We want the moment. But I think a life of faith submitted to Jesus says steward every little thing, the culmination of every season that continues to move us into this place of purpose as we're serving God. Jesus says, I can't thrive in who I long to be through you until you're confident in who I've asked you to be right now in me, he says. I want to close with a story from the book of Exodus, and I cannot read the entire thing because it's... In the, in the Hebrew Bible, in the Jewish Bible, uh, which is a part of our Christian Bible today, there's a book called Exodus, and there's a few chapters, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40. And it's this story about um, their leader, a guy named Moses. Have you guys heard of Moses? Anybody here heard of Moses? Like, you know, part the Red Sea, Moses, that guy. Like, take, take people out of Egypt into the Promised Land, Moses. God hears from Moses about building this tent, which was going to become the place where God would come and hang out with his people. You know, before Jesus, um, men and women, sons and daughters, human beings, they would have to wonder, do I have access to God? We don't have to wonder that nowadays. Jesus said all that right. Jesus, Jesus mediated this relationship with us and God. But God had this idea to build this tent. And as they were moving this nomadic tribe, they would pack up this tent. They would move it with them, and they would put it back together. But it wasn't just a tent. It was a very elaborate tent, and it involved uh, a lot of costumes. And it, it, if you take the time this, read, this week to read through Exodus 35 to 40, they had to make priestly garments. They had to make sanctuary tents. It involved precision and excellence and great care and detail. And all through this story, here's what it says. The Israelites completed each part of the project exactly as the eternal one had instructed Moses. So exactly as God had laid it out, this is my best for you, that's what the people did. And the story goes, Moses called all the millions of people together and he said, look, I'm going to need gold, I'm going to need gems, I'm going to need um, acacia wood, I'm going to need all these building supplies. 
And I want you to go back and I want you to get whatever you can get your hands on. And I want you, those of you that in your heart are willing to do this, go and bring me all this stuff so that these craftsmen can build what God has asked us to build. And the story's interesting because all the people went and they went back and they, they brought together everything they could get their hands on. They were so excited about the idea of God up there being down here with us that they just went and they sacrificed. Matter of fact, the story goes on to say at one point Moses said, okay, I changed my mind. Stop bringing things. We've got more than enough. We've got more than enough gold. We've got more than enough wood. We've got more than enough fabric. We're good to go. And as we continue to read the story, these craftsmen labored with meticulous detail, meticulous detail. They built this temple as, exactly as God had instructed. Exodus 39, 43, Moses inspected every piece of work they had completed, and he saw that they had done it all with excellence, according to the specifications given to him by God. And after all is said and done, they build every piece, they assemble it, they put it together, and all the people step back and go, look what we all did. Look, look what we built to contain the sense of God in our world. And then something cool took place. In Exodus 40, verse 34, it says, At that moment, a cloud blanketed the congregation tent, and the glory of the eternal filled the sanctuary. See, the obedient contribution, the obedient sacrifice, the obedient generosity and labor of some made a way for the glory of God to fill up that place so that everybody could experience it. The labor of some, the generosity of some, the sacrifice of some, the craftsmanship of some, the excellence of some created an environment where everybody could experience God. All these obscure little tasks. Can you see the big picture in your mundane? Because the kingdom of heaven is the gift of one another. The kingdom of heaven is the gift of one another. It's this right now, but it's also you later on today with the people who you're going to have lunch with. The kingdom of heaven for me this week was riding on an airplane yesterday coming home from Vancouver and meeting David and Abby. They were seated in the row behind me. David's here at church today. We joked around about me talking about him, but I'm talking about him. He's sitting, he's sitting right here in the room. And you know, we had church right there on the airplane as we talked about what God's doing in David's life and what God's brought him through, David wrote a book. He gave me an autographed copy today. It's called, Hey Guys, Did I Miss Anything? A Journey Back, and stories from his five months in a coma from a terrible accident. You know, we had church right there on the airplane. Because God doesn't come down in a cloud and fill up a room somewhere anymore. <laughs> God's already filled up you and I right here. However, we still get to contribute. We still get to give. We still get to sacrifice. We still get to obey. But our sacrificing, our giving, and our obedience in faith through the things that we can't see, our perception of what might be, of what could be, of what's coming down the road, and that's how I'm going to live. Regardless of whatever season I've come through or whatever bug-eating season I'm going to go through, I just choose to trust that right here, here and now, God's Spirit on the inside of me in this business of one another is more than enough. Man, Mona sharing stories about our, our mom's meetup group and conversations that she was willing to have just because she walked across the room with another 
with another mom that was there by herself. You know, we think God shows up in the spectacular and in the, the brilliant, famous moments of life when I actually think God rules and reigns supreme in the diligent obedience of one another. If you've questioned the hard things you've gone through just based on the world that we live in, or if you've forgotten that God cares about the great things that you've gone through because of the world that we live in, I want to remind you today that the kingdom of heaven is the, is the beautiful gift that we call one another. It's this, here and now. But it's every moment that you dare to step out in faith and see someone else as the beautiful, treasured gift of God that they are to our world, to your world, to their world. Can you see the big picture? In the middle of your mundane, in the, in the middle of your everyday life, in the middle of the moments that, that you find painful or hurtful, in the middle of the moments that you find so incredible that you forget that even God's involved. I just believe today, when it comes to the faith that we're choosing to walk in, a perception of what can be and what will be, that in this room are excellent craftspeople. In this room are sons and daughters with unique moments and gifts and abilities that are God-breathed. But it's on us to choose to live in the perception of what will be, of what can be, as we choose to submit our everyday, submit our mundane moments, to submit our, I'll put it this way, all the tasks of all the individual people working to build this tent in Exodus. One guy was sewing gold thread into uh, a garment. Another guy was carving wood. They were all off on their own doing their separate tasks. They're mundane, working hard, working diligently. But you know, they had something in their, heart, in their hearts. They had this sense that when we all do what we're all doing, God's presence is going to come and dwell among us. Isn't that what we desire? Isn't that what we pray for? Don't we, don't we sometimes go, go home at night and get on our knees and cry out to God, God, all I want to do is know that you're actually here? And we desire the presence of God in such a real way that we forget our mundane, our unique individual life actually is telling the greater picture of what Jesus has already done. Jesus Christ, God among us, filling us up from the inside out that we carry that presence of God with us everywhere we go. And I just believe that here in this room, through us as a community, as a family, that God's story continues to want to be shouted out in this city of Edmonton. That God wants to continue to encourage and equip and envision and emblaze us with faith that we carry something within us. And if you're here today and you're far from Jesus, I want you to know that you're still very much a part of one another. You're still very much a part of God's kingdom and God's family, even if you can't see it. And we look at, at the life of somebody we respect or look up to or admire or want to become, and we think, man, that just blows my mind that they have that thing that I wish I could have. And I just want to stand here and say, you've actually already got it, except you've got a better version of you. You've got your version of it. You've got everything you need within you to rise up and fulfill the purpose. And what Jesus invites us into is this living that says, I want to take today my everyday ordinary life, my sleeping life, my eating life, my going to work life, my walking around life, and I'm going to place all of that before God as an offering. And maybe, just maybe, my faith in action is me surrendering my everyday life to what God wants to do through me.
Not so much about some destination that I hope to get to one day, but about today. Because this patient, big picture, Jesus-centered life has us trusting God right now in the middle of what we are acting out in faith, what we perceive, because we're unwavering in our confident hope of what God wants to accomplish through us. Don't let anything this week change your mind. Don't let anything this week cause you to doubt, question, worry, or wonder if God has a purpose for your life. I just want to say it straight up. He does. God has a unique place for you, but your place exists in this kingdom of God's spirit at work in our life, the gift of one another, of how we do life together, but also how we carry that life to the world around us. That's the beautiful thing. That's where it really counts. And that's my hope as we head into this week. And even as we prepare for next week, what does a life of faith look like when I'm walking through hell because of a consequence of a choice I've made? When I'm walking through something difficult because of a choice that I've made? Where is God in that moment? We're going to talk about that next week. But today I wanted to remind you in the world that we live in, the things going on around us, the Spirit of God inside of you is more than enough. What if, what if you left here today? What if you went home with this big picture thought that I believe that what I currently have in my hand, in my heart, in my head, in my pocket, in my tool belt, that it's actually more than enough. So no more excuses. I'm going to start living in my purpose. Not looking to the left or the right or up or down or at that person or back at that person but just here and now, stewarding what God's placed inside of me. Let's live like that this week together. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If you're ever in the Edmonton area, pop by for a visit. And if you need any more information, visit evolvechurch.com. We hope to see you soon.